This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Fionn McCool, Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Mero Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore, mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan. I am your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 136 of Fireside. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we continue our look at Welsh mythology. This is the fourth branch of the Mabinogion. This tells the story of a Welsh lord, his two treacherous nephews, and the war they invoke with the south of Wales, and with a very familiar Prideri. But first, I want to give a very big warm welcome to each and every one of you. Please do follow me over on Instagram at Fireside Bard if you haven't done so already. Email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com if you want to get in touch and aren't on social media. And if you really want to support the podcast, you can do so over at headstuffpodcast.com. Enjoying Headstuff Plus. The link is in the description for as little as €5 Euro a month, although you can pay more if you want. You can gain access to bonus material, not just for Fireside, but for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network. There is currently a bonus episode on Yeats and his mythological poetry, as well as a few other bits, and there's a brand new piece of members-only exclusive content coming next week after the release of the next episode of Fireside. They're going to be released about once a month. And uh, no new supporters for this week, but another big welcome to to Timothy Stevens as our latest supporter over on Headstuff Plus. And also a very big thank you to Zoe and Claire Slattery as our very newest patrons over on Patreon.com because the Patreon is still open for those loyal supporters who have been supporting Fireside since the Patreon before the days of Headstuff Plus. It's not going anywhere for any reason like that. So I tend to think that uh, Zoe and Claire Slattery are probably catching up on the podcast, but when they do get to this episode, I hope that uh, they can hear my thanks and thanks to them and to all of the other supporters still on the Patreon and indeed on Headstuff Plus. If this is your very first episode you're listening to of Fireside, why don't you at least head back to the story of Pulch, Prince of David, as w- and check out the beginnings of our exploration of Welsh mythology in the Mabinogion, as we are coming to the culmination of at least the Prideri saga of, of Welsh mythology, is in that this is the final part, the first part of the final branch of the Mabinogion, but it will not be the end of Welsh mythology. Because I'm coming to you currently from my home studio in Wicklow. It is uh, now settled firmly back. I'm back in a rehearsal room, actually, rehearsing a production of Gilbert and Sullivan's The Mikado, of all things, doing a live stream of that from the National Concert Hall at the end of the month on the 26th of August. 
It's a beautiful show I've always wanted to be a part of and such beautiful music, incredible, incredibly witty script that's still so, so funny. And it's a great company to be a part of and I'm enjoying it's going to be a great couple of weeks. So I'm delighted to be back now after a long day of rehearsals today and recording this week's podcast. But this story, this story is heavy. It's dark. It's... I don't want to quite want to say... It, I hope that as a storytelling experience it won't be uncomfortable, but it was probably one of the most, if not the most, uncomfortable stories to adapt, which certainly made it very interesting because... I've always tried to not shy away and not to sanitize any of the stories on this podcast. And it certainly was quite unique in any story that I've encountered, which is why I've enjoyed so many of the Welsh tales so much, is that so many of them, while having familiar elements to stories we've encountered in Irish mythology, have all been quite unique in their own way. You will see very quickly what I mean, I'm sure. Um, and of course, we will chat more about it afterwards. But this is the story of Math, son of Mathonoi, on Fireside. Math, son of Mathonoi. Prideri, son of Pulch, was lord of David in the south. Math, son of Mathonoi, was lord of Gwyneth in the north. Math had a peculiar and quite sinister habit, where he was never happy unless his feet were resting in the lap of a virgin. Not fantastic. And Math's latest maiden was named Goywen, who was to have been the most beautiful girl of her generation. Math had two nephews by his sister. They were Gilfadoi and Gwydion. One day Gwydion came upon his brother Gilfadi, he was looking pale and gaunt. He had lost weight and in no way seemed like himself. Brother, said Gwydion, what is the matter with you? There is no point in telling you nor anyone else, replied Gilfadi, for there is nothing that can be done. At least tell me, and if there is anything in my power that I can do to help my only brother, it will be done. Very well, said Gilfadi. I am desperately and ferociously in love with our uncle's footmaiden, Goywin. She is all I think about, and there is nothing I can ever do to be with her. Math would never allow it. I cannot eat and cannot sleep with thoughts of her. Gwydion was relieved his brother had told him the truth and that the truth was not some curse or disease. Gwydion was incredibly cunning, and love, he thought, was a problem that he could solve. Oh, brother, don't worry. All we have to do is get Math out of the castle for a while. Why, the only way for Math to leave Gwyneth would be if there was a war. Exactly, said Gwydion before smiling at his brother. The next morning, Gwydion went to his uncle Math and said, Uncle, I have heard of a rare beast in the south that is to be more delicious than any other animal. And what animal is that? replied Math. 
It is known by many names. Swine, pig. I believe as food it is known as pork. They are a small and friendly creature. And who owns these animals? And where did they come from? Prideri, Lord of David. They came from the other world of Anovin, which Prideri's father, Pulch, was lord over for one year. Do you think Prideri would ever part with such valuable creatures? He will not refuse me, lord. Allow me and eleven others to go south to David, disguised as bards, and I promise you, we will not return empty-handed. So Gwydion, Gilfadi, and ten others left Gwyneth for the home of Prideri in David. Upon arrival, they were welcomed by Prideri, and a massive feast was held. After all, bards and storytellers were highly valued guests who could roam more freely than any other profession. Gwydion was sat next to Prideri, and the Lord of David asked, Now that we have fed you, I would love to hear a story. My lord, began Gwydion, you are a most gracious host, and in our humble troop we have a tradition where upon the first night we are hosted by a lord, the chief bard tells the story. That is my title, lord, so tonight I will be your teller of tales. As it happened, Gwydion was the greatest storyteller in the world, and he enthralled the entire court of David. Prideri was so moved and thoroughly entertained by the tales that he asked Gwydion what he could give him as payment. My lord, there is only one thing that we would ask of you. Some of your live pigs to bring home with us. The smile from Prideri's face faded. I wish I could give them to you, but my people and I made a sacred vow to never give away any of our swine before their numbers have doubled in this land. If not, they will soon go extinct. Gwydion said, Lord, do not say yes or no tonight. Sleep on it, and let me return to you with a new proposal. I can solve this problem for you. That night, Gwydion made a plan. He returned to Prideri and said, I know how to get you out of your solemn vow, Lord. You may part with the pigs for gifts of greater value. Here we bring twelve stallions, saddled and embroidered with golds and silks. We also offer twelve of Gwyneth's greatest hounds, loyal and insatiable for the hunt. Finally, we offer your best warriors twelve golden shields. All of this we offer for just a few little pigs. Prideri was impressed and accepted the offer, but what Prideri didn't know was that all of this was a trick. The horses, the hounds, and the shields being offered had all been conjured by Gwydion out of toadstools. But before Prideri could find out, the twelve northern fake bards left David with pigs in tow and began the return trip to Gwyneth. We have to hurry, said Gwydion to the others. My enchantments will only last for twenty-four hours. After that, 
Those horses, hounds and shields will all revert to being toadstools and mushrooms. Once Prideri realises we've tricked him and stolen his prized pigs, he'll have the armies of the 21 Cantrefs he rules marching north to war. Gwydion and Gilfadi returned to Gwyneth with the pigs and immediately approached Math, son of Mathonoi. Did you get the pork? asked Math. We did, lord, replied Gwydion. But now Prideri seeks war with the north. He is marching on Gwyneth with the armies of twenty-one cantrefs. Before Math had time to question this absurd claim, a messenger sprinted into the main hall. My lord! Men from the south have marched upon Gwyneth. It is Prideri. Math, son of Mathonoi, stood and announced to his court. I do not know why Prideri insults me in this way, but I will not wait to find out. While Math began to muster the collected cantrefs of Gwyneth and march out to meet Prideri, Gwydion and Gilfadi waited behind and went up to the bedchamber to find Goywin, Math's human footstool. While Gwydion guarded the door, Gilfadi took Goywin against her will, and in the bed of his uncle, Gilfadi raped Goywin. The north and south fought three battles against one another, and each side suffered heavy casualties. But with each fight, it seemed like Math, son of Mathonoi, had the advantage, and edged further and further ahead. With each defeat, Prideri had to offer up southern men as hostages to the north. Eventually, word came from Prideri to Math's camp. Math told his nephews, who had returned from their defilement and assault of Goywin, of Prideri's demands. Prideri has no desire for further unnecessary bloodshed. He seeks retribution for the injustice done to him. He will consider the matter settled if Gwydion goes to meet him in single combat. Gwydion said, I have no desire for further loss of Welsh blood, whether north or south, certainly not on my behalf. I got us into this. Therefore, I accept Pederi's challenge, and I will meet him in single combat. The next morning at dawn, Prideri met Gwydion at the ford of a river between two glens. I do not understand, said Prideri to his foe. I invite you into my home, feed you and your people. You enthralled me with your stories and then chose to deceive me. I told you of the vow I made to not give away those swine, and still you wronged me. Why? I wanted war, said Gwydion simply. What? I tell you the truth now before we fight so that I may ease your mind. The only reason I tricked you and stole those pigs was to get my uncle Math out of Gwyneth. My brother was in love with Math's footmaiden, and there is nothing I would not do for Gilfadi. Now draw your sword, Prince of Daveth. Pideri and Gwydion fought, and through his cunning, his enchantments, and all he was responsible for, Gwydion won the fight. And there, Prideri, son of Pulch Penanovan, 
the Lord of David was killed. The collected horde of the 21 southern cantrefs were devastated. Not only had they lost the war, but their most valued and worshipped lord. Math, son of Mathonoi, lamented that a noble lord like Prideri had died, and so he released all of the southern hostages they had taken. When Math finally returned to Gwyneth, all he wanted to do was put his feet into Goywin's lap. But when he did, the young woman burst into tears. Lord, you must find a new maiden to put your feet upon. Why, what has happened to you, my dear? asked Math. I have been raped and defiled, my lord. I was taken against my will into your bedchamber by your two nephews, Gilfadi and Gwydion. Math was both heartbroken and furious. His beloved maiden had been assaulted, and his own nephews had betrayed him. Lady, he said to Goywen, for your sake and mine, I will have revenge upon my nephews, and to even attempt to make up for the grievous wrong done to you. If you will have me, I would make you my wife and give you rule over all of my lands. A bounty went out on Gwydion and Gilfadi. The two brothers fled until a call went out across Wales that no one was to feed either of them. Eventually, the starving brothers were forced to return to Gwyneth and beg their uncle for forgiveness. Because you have behaved like base animals who curse nature. Base animals who curse nature is what you shall become. Math took out his magic wand and turned Gilfadoi into a deer and Gwydion into a doe. He told them to live in the wild for one year and then return. A year to the day, a doe, a deer, and a fawn returned to Gwyneth. Math took the fawn, turned him back into human form, and took him as a foster son. Next, Math transformed Gwydion into a boar and Gilfadoi into a sow, and again told them to return in a year. This time they returned with a piglet, whom Math also transformed back into human form. Finally, Gilfadoi was transformed into a wolf and Gwydion into a she-wolf, and after a year they returned with a pup. And after transforming the whelp into a babe, Math said, You have both lived as wild animals for three years, and you have each been in the form of male and female, and you have both had children by the other. Now you may return home, but your children shall be raised in my care. Now Math, son of Mathonoi, had made his revenge upon his nephews, and he had married Goywin. But his peculiar taste remained, and Math needed a new virgin to rest his feet in the lap of. To be continued.
Folks, as you all know, Fireside is a proud son of the Headstuff Podcast Network, which is Ireland's largest network of independent podcasts and a loving home for the creative and indeed the curious. There are so many other podcasts I could recommend to you on the network, some of which inspired me to approach Headstuff myself. Here's a taste of one you might enjoy. Fad Camp is a comedy podcast about the ridiculousness of fad diets and diet culture, hosted by me, Grace Mulvey. And me, Connor Dowling. If you have a body of any kind, chances are you've crossed paths with at least one of the bizarre diet trends we cover in our show. And between me and Connor, we have done nearly every fad diet there is. Juice cleansing. Fasting. The potato diet. Which is actually a real diet, by the way, and we don't recommend it. So join us as we try to make sense of the madness that is diet culture. Find Fad Camp everywhere you get your podcasts and make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Fad Camp Podcast. And that is the very, very dark tale of Math, son of Mathonoi, in the first part of the fourth branch of the Mabinogi on Fireside. And I hope you enjoyed it, although enjoy is a, would be a strange word for this one. This this is like a problem play of the Shakespeare's. This is like the the measure for measure of of Welsh mythology. Yeah, this is some heavy stuff. This is a story of not just not just of rape and betrayal, but of bestiality and incest and and tragedy. Ultimately, I we can only just kind of go through it bit by bit. <clears throat> First of all, the thing that connects, as we've talked about over the past few couple of months, the thing that connects these four branches of the Mabinogi, because there's about 11 or 12 epic tales that make up the Mabinogion, but the first four of them are called the four branches, which is made up three episodes. I did three episodes on the first branch, two on the second, one on the third, and now this will be two on the fourth. And the one thing that connects these four branches is, first of all, they each begin by saying this is the first branch and ends with saying, so ends the first branch. And so begins the second branch and ends the second branch. But what the only other thing that connects all four of them is the presence of Prideri. Prideri is born in the first branch and he dies in the fourth. But even though the first branch is dedicated to Pulk largely and to his wife Rhiannon and the, only the final part of the story depicts the birth and early childhood and life of Prideri. The second branch only features him in a cameo appearance and while he is a very major character in the third branch which connects which connects the first and the second branches, the second or the third branch is far more his uncle's tale. It is far more the story it is far more the story of Manawudan. But so you would expect, certainly I was expecting, because I knew going in that Prideri died in the fourth branch, that we came to the end of his story. But again, we have a story that's not even about him and that he dies in quite unspectacular fashion in, because our villains win in this story. They are, our antagonists win. And even our protagonist isn't even particularly to be rooted for. So let's dive right in with the title character. And the story is named after Math, son of Mathonoi. The 
character description, you know, the, the character beat, all that we get given as information about Math, son of Mathanoi. We don't really learn about his accomplishments or really what he's done, good or bad. The only thing he is defined by in this story is this is this bizarre quirk, this bizarre kink that he has where he is never happy unless his feet are in the lap of a virgin, which is immediately a quite a sinister place to start. It doesn't seem to be actually sinister for him. It's more just the idea of having his feet upon the the lap of a virgin. It's nothing about wanting to sleep with the virgin, even though that does seem to be quite implied, but it seems to be the purity is what's important to him. Either way, it's not a it's a bit of a back foot to introduce a character in on. And then we're introduced to his two nephews. We're told that Gilfavoy is very genuinely in love with Goywin. So we're almost set up as if this is going to be a tale of him approaching Goywin and finding out that she loves him and them eloping together and happily ever after. That's with the versions I was adapting this from, that was where I thought this story was going because Gilfathaway isn't described as, as having this lust or anything. He is described as being totally incapacitated and he's pale and wan and all of these things that can happen to these protagonists of fairy tales and myths before they find the love of their life, who of course was the love of their life, and they instantly fall in love with and love defeats everything. And we're introduced to Gwydion, who, again, is introduced in a far more noble fashion than his uncle with his bizarre tastes. And that Gwydion just wants to make his brother happy and just wants his brother to have this love. But we instantly see this darker and more cunning side to Gwydion because he instantly comes up with this very, very elaborate plan to have a war break out between the north and the south of Wales to get Math, son of Mathonai, to get his uncle out of Gwyneth and to fight Pryderi, who is a character we have only known as a hero and his family as heroes and just a good guy all around. And we're introduced to our heroes for this fourth branch are these characters who are going out to trick and deceive and Pryderi and lure him into a war totally unnecessary that is just so they can get their uncle. It's nothing to do with Pryderi. So they go, they go disguised as these bards and instantly ask about, first of all, it has to, and next of all, it has to be said about the pigs. Depending on the version of the story, sometimes it's just said that they're pigs and sometimes it's described as these particularly otherworldly pigs. I kind of liked the idea of it just being pigs, of pigs being quite a new or quite a rare thing, because they had to have been at some point. But yes, it is described that they are possibly this otherworldly pig from Anovan Or, which is the place where Polk was lord for a year and was permanently then Polk Pen Anovan. Or there is the idea that pigs in general just come from Anovan and that pigs are this magical creature. Because any time I'm in a conversation with vegetarians or vegans, because I was vegetarian for three years before touring extensively in Germany, which has quite a meaty culture, was what broke me. Um, and pigs are always that thing. Usually when people like start to go vegan or go vegetarian and try to, in, and try to cut an animal per time, you know, generally people are of the opinion that no one's a huge fan of chickens or cows, or certainly in general they're not as perceived as... as 
traditionally cute or beloved. But everyone loves pigs. Pigs are cute. Pigs are sound. It's very well known that pigs are very social creatures. And we still eat them. Which just means that, you know, they are particularly delicious. You know, it's the one thing that even the most hard-hearted meat eater who doesn't believe in the ways of of being a vegan or vegetarian at all, usually they'll still go, yeah, it's not great. You know, and still people do. Myself included, I wouldn't be a huge pork eater, but I would eat like I would eat a lot of chorizo and things like that. And, oh God, I have to go back vegan or vegetarian one of these days. But that's why I like this detail in, in, uh, in this story about it being pigs that all of this is fought over. Because we know how much a war is fought over cows in Ireland. And in here we have this battle that is this deception that is all brought around pigs and it has nothing to do with that it's still just to get math out but Gwydion's plan is so elaborate that he constructs this out of wanting to get these pigs from Pryderi so they go they disguise themselves as bards they entertain Pryderi and he says can I have some and Pryderi says I'd love to but I can't because I made this solemn vow to not give any pigs away until they've doubled their numbers which seems fair. He wants, like, because they are hunted, they would be so easily hunted to extinction because they're being eaten so much because they're so delicious. Which reminds me of uh, the final episode of the second season, Rick and Morty, where they land on the, the tiny planet and they discover a new species of uh, pig off the coast of New Australia and hunted to extinction for breakfast. That is what could very easily happen to Ritheri if he doesn't allow the pigs to double their numbers. But that doesn't matter because Gwydion transforms these enchanted toadstools or enchants these toadstools into stallions and to hounds and to shields and gives these gifts to Pryderi, which will only, in a very Cinderella kind of fashion, will only stay in that form for 24 hours. So they give them to him and they flee with the pigs. And sure enough, we don't even hear, we don't get Pryderi's perspective at all in this story. We don't get to see him discover the shields and the horses and the hounds being fake we just get told that the armies are coming and that they will be coming and then they're there. And then Math goes out to meet them. They fight these three battles which suffer heavy casualties on both sides but with Pryderi losing a little bit more each time and having to give up these hostages. And when Math is finally out of the house and this is where we really, this is where it really just takes the turn that's so unsatisfying. Gilfadoy, you know, he finally gets this opportunity to be alone with this girl that he claims to love. And we don't even hear of a conversation between the two of them. We just get told that he goes in there, he takes her against his will, and he rapes her. And I don't use that word lightly because, and you do see versions of the story that don't use that word. And I didn't want to shy away from that because that is what happens. And that's it just breaks the ultimate gut punch. It's even hard for me to talk about now. And with Gwydion outside the door and everyone else knowing about this that has happened while Math is off fighting this war unnecessarily. And then, then we have Gwydion and Gilfadoy going back to the war and Pryderi wanting to fight in single comment against Gwydion. And what an incredible, how incredible would it have been after this this defilement and this assault on Gwywin, if Pryderi was able to cut down Gwydion in battle, in single combat. But no, he loses. 
Gwydion is the better fighter. He has the enchantments. He's caused all this. He's planned all this. All this has gone exactly according to his plan. And there, Pryderi, who's been our hero, a hero in so many of these tales, is cut down and dies. And it's so, so unsatisfying. And finally, then, we have some sense of this retribution where Math, who again, it is Math who is the protagonist of this story. It's his story, even though Gwydion is probably the central character because he, he does so much in it. But Math goes back to... Math returns to Gwywin and she bursts into tears and tells him what has happened. And he assures her he will be he will get revenge for her. And offers offers to be his wife her her to be his wife, wants to make this up to her in any way that he can, which is the slightly redemptive quality to this bizarre and quite sinister kink and trait that Math has about the virgins, that he actually did deeply care for this young maiden, and she isn't ruined for him like you would think if for someone who had to for for the fact that they were a virgin was any kind of detail that was important math had then offers her to be his wife and offers to make that to attempt to make amends for it and we're told that she does and he, he gives her everything gives her rule over his land and then comes the punishment for Gilfavoy and for Gwydion first they flee until Math incredibly tells the entire kingdom not to give them any food and they're forced to return. And only then are they like, they don't seem to be sorry at all. They just got caught out and they were forced to come back and forced to accept their punishment. And that's where the twisted punishment begins, where they have been, they have behaved like wild animals and they've committed this awful and this, this worst of crimes. And so he turns them into animals, one of each. He turns one into a male, one into a female. For three years, as three different animals. First as deer, then as boars, and finally as wolves. And each time they have to go away and they have to have a child by the other one. And he swaps them around so both of them experience these, both, these two sides. And it seems like a, a perverted and twisted punishment for a perverted and twisted crime. And there is some kind of sense of some kind of retribution or vengeance on the part of Math, on the part of Goywin against Gwydion and Gilfadoy, who seem to do all of these horrible things. Then at the very end, that's enough. These three foster children, this baby pig, this baby deer, this baby wolf, they're transformed into children who Math will then raise. And then he says, that's enough. That's enough punishment for you. And turns them to friendship again. And we're not even finished the story. So just ends the first part of the fourth branch of the Mabinogion. We've still got more Math, we've still got more Gwydion and more Gilfadoy. But the story takes another turn again from here on out. It'll be one more part. I promise you the next part is significantly less heavy and less messed up. And my God, I've never felt quite felt like this after recording an episode of this podcast. And that's probably why I'm, why I should have done it the way the way it was and not not ignored it and not sanitized it because if I was doing there's four branches of the Mabinogion it couldn't have just done three and then skipped over this one but this is what one I'd be very interested to hear how you perceived it because again can't keep saying I hope you enjoyed it I don't, I don't know if I enjoyed this but 
it's definitely unlike any other story and it's it is dramatic and sometimes these stories are unsatisfying there's the certainly we have a thing now more progressively in storytelling where stories have to be have to be satisfying and we don't like unsatisfying endings certainly my father whenever i show him something like chinatown which doesn't have this satisfactory ending i won't spoil the end of it but you've even heard of the movie you probably know the famous line from it and they don't they don't do anything for him at all he thinks that anything with an unsatisfying ending is a stupid film that it's failed its job as a story and certainly that is a thing we like some of my favorite movies have the most unsatisfying endings and some of the greatest movies of all time naturally have these incredibly unsatisfactory endings but it doesn't mean we ever like them we still like to be wrapped things to be wrapped up and obviously fairy tales have that particular association with things working out for the end myths tend to not behave quite as much like that but still they always have that heroic element to them where we think things are going to be wrapped up satisfactorily at the end and that does not happen here that does not happen here here we have a story where our hero has this unlikable quality that is the only introduction we have to him that who knows maybe that wasn't i mean i'm sure it wasn't maybe that wasn't considered an unlikable quality to him at all back in the time but it's very hard to translate that now as to why considering we're not given any explanation why and then our two our two brothers who were introduced to in a much more compassionate way one in love the other trying to help his brother and then it's the ultimate twist is the ultimate rug pull that oh no they're the worst people in the world and we have to watch them destroy our heroes and in this final part, the fourth branch of the Mabinogion, it's like we have to watch the branch go on fire. And I don't really think there's anything else I can say other than that. So, until next week, until we have the final part of the fourth branch of the Mabinogion, before we go into the dissociated tales, do let me know what you thought. Follow me on Instagram at Fireside Bard. You can message me there. Email me at thefiresidebar at gmail.com. It's the first episode I ever feel I should probably have a trigger warning at the beginning of. Um, support me over at headstuffplus.com or headstuffpodcast.com. Join Headstuff Plus. The link is in the description below. Five euro a month, you can pay more. So if you want, I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.